this system is everything that force development is building. It's airman-centric, it's mission-focused, it's competency-based, it's layering in all of these great factors that a bunch of very smart people dreamt up about the future of education and training. There's probably no other training advancement that's going to have as big an impact as this. First command simply must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Air Force Starts Here podcast. My name is Miriam Thurber, and I'm excited to host this episode on tech training transformation. If you've tuned in before, you know that in each episode, we provide tips, tricks, and lessons from our talented educators, trainers, and leaders. And today, I have the honor of speaking with Dr. Major Jesse Johnson, Commander of DET-23, and Tech Sergeant Casey Mikulski, who is a DET-23 curriculum engineer and a C-130J subject matter expert. Before we bring in our guests, let's chat for a minute about T3, or Tech Training Transformation. At AETC, we're always pushing the envelope to make sure we're offering the highest quality education and training in the world. It was obvious that training needed to change and transition from a traditional lecture-based teaching to take advantage of an era of technology. The T3 team set out to study how this generation learns best, and then they built a tech training system that's not only mission-focused and competency-based, but that personally improves training for individual airmen. After researching, T3 officials have created an airman-centric maintenance training model that incorporates virtual reality, augmented reality, and artificial intelligence. There's so much more to it, and if you would like to dive in deep, we have an article out on aetc.af.mil that we would love for you to read. But now that you know the basics, let's jump in with our experts. Thank you so much for joining us today, Major Jesse Johnson. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate the opportunity to share our work. And we also have Tech Sergeant Casey Mikulski here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we're obviously going to dive into a lot about T3 today. And so I wanted to just start off for you, Major Johnson, asking, how does airman-centric training help improve our total force? It allows us to capitalize on the full potential of every airman uh, and allow them to function inside the mission the best way that they fit versus trying to, to for lack of a better way, put a, a square peg in the round hole, right? We want the airmen to utilize the talents and skills they have that are natural and innate to them and bring them to the fight. So we have to shift our focus to being able to provide that airman the best possible way to learn uh, so that they understand the material and we can advance our education goals faster. Around the time that society switched over to mobile technology between 2007 and 2009, there was a fundamental shift in the way information is delivered to people in general. And then when we look backwards at the generations that are going through school, uh, we see that they're being delivered educational content in, in live format. So the, the student in, in a high school classroom, if they don't believe what their instructor is telling them, they can Google and they could do their own research. And in this fundamental shift in how students are learning and really, again, how that they access information is going to change the future of how we, how we fight wars. That's awesome. Yeah, strengthening the individual so everyone is stronger. Yes. So for you, Tech Sergeant Mikulski, we know that teamwork is a really big part of maintenance training and flight line work. So how does T3's program foster that kind of teamwork, even though it's tailored to the individual airmen? What we saw was as airmen developed themselves and went through the program by themselves, they were able to come out of the system and then work together as a team to help those who were maybe struggling in the same areas that they succeeded in. Going back to your point where the individual is better as a team, 
if you try and force airmen to fit into a box, you'll only be able to work inside that box you force them into. And every airman brings individuality to a team and in the individuality allows the strengths to come through. And how does this training differentiate from the training that you went through as a maintainer yourself? It has a different emphasis. Um, when, when I came through, and it was the same for many decades before I came through, um, you know, you, you came and you sat into a class and you learned from PowerPoints and you just kind of uh, uh, went through modularly, right? You learned one thing, you took a test on it, then you moved to the next thing, and then at the very end you try and get tested on everything that you learned over, you know, however long your tech school was. And um, when that, that, that used to work and it still produces, you know, quality airmen, however, um, airmen now need to learn in context to the mission. And so what our training does is it allows them to learn in the exact way that they will perform when they get to their first duty station. And part of learning is making mistakes and growing. So the old system, you know, you take a test, you make a mistake, you get that question wrong. Major Johnson, and then obviously you can chime in too, when an airman does something wrong, how do they know? The first and most important part of that is we don't pretend to, to say that the, the old system uh, is bad. We just say that it's... It's not going to function in the future, but there are key aspects of that old system that are really, really critical, so hands-on demonstration is, is probably the prime one. So we could do as much training as we want in a virtual world, augmented world, any sort of digital multimedia uh, content, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that's going to break that uh, senior technician overseeing and training the apprentice-level technician, so we never want to take that away. The other part of it is we recognize that that failure piece is really important. Uh, fundamentally, humans learn through failure. So uh, we put inside of our system, um, for example, one of the ways in our system that if you uh, clip safety wire, uh, the screen goes red like you just got safety wire in the eye if you hadn't put your safety glasses on. So we build in what we call consequential learning that provides feedback, direct and immediate feedback to the student when they fail. You practice how you play, right? So if you, if you practice, you know, cautiously you'll play cautiously if you practice correctly then you'll play correctly and as we go into our our next major project as it aligns around agile combat employment and multi-capable airmen uh, we're taking that consequential learning to the next step so there's in that particular uh, series there's three different levels to the course first level is home station where it's just basic classroom type things that are presented digitally uh, and there is very little consequence to failure in that uh, the second level we call the exercise level, where it mimics the, the contingency exercise at a wing. And if a student makes a, or fails in that environment, uh, the non-player character who is intelligent uh, because of the artificial intelligence built into the system comes over and addresses with the airman, hey, you made this mistake, these are your consequences, and it may kick them back to the training in the first level. Uh, finally, when you get to the third level, we call the deployment level. If they fail at any point, so zero tolerance for failure in that level, if they fail at any part of their training in that, they're decertified in the system and have to go all the way back to block one and start the training again. So that consequential learning, we allow for the mistakes, but we also increase the severity of uh, sort of discipline if they fail to meet the benchmark. You'll see that when you go to an exercise, a real-life exercise, not our training environment, but a real-life exercise, the consequences are the same. You know, when, when you make a mistake, the, uh, the severity of consequence has increased because right now you're practicing to deploy.
you're showing your skills whether you're ready or not and then when you deploy there there's little to no room for mistakes because right now you're you're trying to make the mission happen and so if we tailor our training to meet that requirement they will get it in their brain and build those mental models to understand like hey th this is how it really is they can spend as much time in each one of those levels as they want they can repeat the same objective a dozen times if, it, if it's what they need to get their personal proficiency because again we're we're reaching individual airmen that that, that airman centric focus so that we know that when they walk out of their training environment and aetc stamps them as qualified to do the mission uh, we we feel confident that they've met every benchmark we can put out there that's fantastic and it means the quality of the airmen coming out of this program is one that has learned on their own pace how to do their job well and then been, as you said, stamped and certified. Can you speak a little bit more to the quality of the airmen that's coming out of this program? From our perspective at T3, a quality airman looks like an individual that can do every part of their job with as little supervision as possible to the highest degree of efficiency and proficiency as possible. So how do we go back and replicate that and build that into the schoolhouse so that we are producing a quality airman in our five and seven levels who are dependent more and more on uh, quality airmen coming out of the AETC know exactly what they're getting. Uh, the correlation of academics doesn't necessarily transfer to on-the-job execution. Focusing less on did you get a 99 on every test and more on did you walk out of there demonstrating your skill, like hands-on, competency-based demonstration of your skill. As a student, you're going you're gonna to know the quality that you're getting once you get out to the actual operational Air Force from school or from tech school. You're going to see how it all relates. People should be excited to, to just be able to even experience it because they're going to they're gonna know the difference. They're going to see the difference. And even uh, operational airmen right now who are receiving these tech school students, they should be extremely excited to get capable airmen out of tech school first day. And from the instructor perspective, it's then going to be a lot less of grading these tests and a lot more of mentoring. How can instructors take full advantage of this program that you guys are producing? Our Air Force is doing a great job of shifting the mindset. In, in the past couple of years, they have uh, reimagined how they would value force generators. And this is just part of that valuing force generation. So we want to bring the best of the best from the field. If you've demonstrated that same proficiency I just spoke about from from your tech school all the way into your seven level experience and you prove an exceptional quality of work, that's the person we want to bring back into the schoolhouse to teach our airmen to replicate themselves, be the seven level, come and oversee, direct, coach, mentor, so less authoritative, directive education and more coaching, mentor, um, more to mimic the supervisor, supervisee role that they're going to experience in the fly line. Our system kind of enables that. As one student struggles, if it's only one in the class while the rest of them are, you know, exceeding expectations, then that instructor can take that one-on-one -on -one approach, right? And that's, that's, that's what kind of pulls him out of the instructor realm and puts him more as a seven level. Because when you're, when you're operating on the flight line, if you have, you know, you know, four or five, three levels working with you, and you as a seven level are you know, managing these three levels and you see that three of them are operating fantastically but one's kind of struggling, as a seven level you mentor that one person to catch them up. Mm -hmm. So the schoolhouse should be the same as opposed to pushing everyone through at once and if one struggles everyone else has to be held back and then vice versa if, if he's struggling and everyone else is succeeding then you kind of have to push him forward in hopes that he makes it and then you know the, the variable of quality as they get to the fly line is, is too great there. We need to you know, 
hone in on that. And I think the individual approach, you, you know exactly what you're getting with each individual student. Yeah, that's sort of the flip side of that airman centric too, right? So now the instructor has the ability to pay attention directly to one student at a time based on individual performance. That's a great point. Hmm. Which is really empowering to the instructor instead of worrying about, oh, am I public speaking well enough? Do I have a great enough lesson plan? Instead, they can do their job well yes. and really be there for the students. So kind of on the flip side of that then, how can students make the most of this program? I think students can make the most of it if they... If, if they truly grasp the analytics side of things. So with a DARP system, a data analytics and reporting platform, uh, they, get, they gather all the information and analytics on their performance. And if there's anywhere that they're lacking, they have the opportunity to, like Major Johnson said, continue to go in and do that one lesson over and over and over and over again if they wanted to. In today's generations, it's, it's really uh, achievement-based. Like every, everything they do, there's some sort of achievement tied to it. I mean, look at video games. And so what we've done with our system is we've, we've tied achievements to it. We've uh, allowed them to see star-based um, performance. So if they do poorly, they get one star. If they do mediocre, they get two. And if they excel, they get three. And one thing that we really saw were students were going back and saying, hey, you know, I got one star on this. I'm going to go back and do it again and again and again. And as an instructor, you can see um, each time they've gone through, how long they spent each one, uh, their scores on each test that they took. Um, all of that and the students can see it too. The students can go back and they can review the, the quiz that they just took inside the system, how well they performed, which questions they got wrong. They can look at the actual uh, test question and then go back to the study guides and review it. And then it, that in itself gives them uh, different learning modalities. So if they learn better reading a book, then they have the opportunity to do that as well. So, Yeah, and I'd also add uh, the system builds out 24-7 access to content. So what we have to understand in our profession in the military is that uh, our responsibilities never stop, and that includes training. So uh, to get to the proficiency level that we need uh, in, our, in our defense system, uh, we need airmen who are, who are stepping out and taking additional time in training and spending uh, an extra amount of time in off-duty hours inside of a system trying to get to that next level of understanding or get to maybe they take the, the course and they get the one star while they're in class, but then they go home and they work for the rest of the evening until they get that third star because it matters to them. And what they don't recognize and what I, I hope they take from that is um, it matters to the Air Force. Uh, it matters that we know that coming out of the, the doors of AETC, you're as competent and proficient as we can possibly make you. And so uh, what airmen can do to be successful in the system is to put as much effort into it as possible. Uh, and then what they gain out of it is world-class training that's not being developed or presented anywhere else. Because with a traditional learning model, a student can kind of scrape by with mediocre work, still compete, and then they're just kind of, you know, so-so throughout the rest of their career. This really allows every person to take full advantage, really empower themselves, and then be really competitive in their field. Um, specifically for you, Tech Sergeant Mikulski, as someone in this career field, how excited does it make you to work alongside or supervise people who have gone through this program versus maybe people who haven't? So uh, that's a very good question. Um, as we, as we you know, allowed students to go through the system uh, back in August last year, you just saw this light in them, and, they, and, and a lot of them had this competitiveness about them where they, where they were talking more with each other, they were competing against each other, they were trying to do better, and it gave me like, uh, 
a sense of accomplishment because I knew that when they get to their first duty station, these guys had the chance of being ready. They were ready to perform these tasks, and they, they showed it through the hands-on demonstration, not through the VR, but through the hands-on demonstration. So in the event that I go back to a fly line and I work the fly line, which I would love because I love my job, I would be honored to have these students working under me. You're recruiting the best of the best, and then you're keeping them at the top of their game for the rest of their career, which is revolutionary. I think, I think they need to understand that training itself is not just trying to get through it to get that certification. Training itself is, is kind of like a lifestyle. Right? And so you, you have to maintain good quality training so you can maintain that good quality performance. Mm-hmm. And traditionally speaking, we haven't provided that opportunity to airmen. Uh, so our duty day standard class that is uh, eight hours of PowerPoint and then you go home and you might have some homework, that, that presents very little opportunity and really a poor construct for students to want to continue that lifelong learning methodology. Right, So we want to be able to, to open this system up so it's accessible to the airmen no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing. And I'll, you know, I see a, a grand vision in the future where, where I'm no longer chunking courses the way that we do, where it, like you go through your tech school and then you wait five to seven years and you go through this other school and you wait. I, let's just open the aptitude up and say everybody can get in and do whatever training they want. And your only limit to training availability is, is your ambition and your drive to learn and that passion to be that lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. So we want, we want to give that capability over to airmen. And it just hasn't really existed traditionally up to this point. And so our, our methodology is everything. If, if you're building training, we want to put it inside the ecosystem and present those students with as many opportunities to gain training experience as possible and let them select their own path. We, we never want to limit, we never want to stifle innovation cells from doing things that they're doing. We want to give them an avenue so that when they get to the end of their contract, they don't have the question, now what? The answer is, well, now we send it over to Tech Training Transformation and they plug it into the ecosystem and it's scalable across the entire Air Force. And so what we get is spark cells at the wing are actually creating training that can go into the ecosystem. You can have AETC credentialing, take a look at it and go, hey, this is really great training. It meets all of our box checks, certified AETC course. And now I can teach that course developed at the wing level in the classroom in AETC because it's that good. So we're scaling our training development across the entire Air Force building, this great big mesh network of training that leverages the best of all of our seven levels across the Air Force. Let's say someone's creating curriculum where there's a training out there. How can they partner with T3? First thing they need to do is give us a call. Uh, and what I'd say is before you start any project that goes down the path of education and training, give us a call and we'll tell you how to make sure that what you're building on the backside can be delivered inside the Air Force in terms of licensing and uh, API requirements and things like that. And then once you build your technology, we will connect you into the delivery analysis and reporting platform and you're instantly scaled across the Air Force. It's not a competition of, of yours or ours, it's all of ours for the better of our future airmen. Major Johnson, is there anything you would like to add that we haven't touched on yet? I, I think it's really important for uh, folks in AETC and the Air Force and really the DOD at large to understand that, that our program is a recognition by our senior leaders that the future of warfare is changing, and it's really important that we adapt to it uh, and change as well. So the AETC commander uh, previous to the current uh, actually set us aside and put 
invested in this technology and invested in this future. So we are uh, directly in the AETC headquarters. We are uh, supported by and, and funded by uh, the general officers in Air Education Training Command who see this as uh, a future capability that is a requirement to, to match that near-peer contender in the future. So in, in the next uh, great power competition, we're going to be up against competitors who have the same technological advantages that we do because the information is so prevalent. There are no secrets in innovation anymore. So it's so prevalent. So it's, it's reasonable to say that the next great com power competition is going to involve some sort of attempt to limit access to information. So we, we should be excited that our general officers are putting their money where their mouth is. They're actually investing in future technologies to make sure we remain competitive on a global scale. In, in closing, my additional thoughts, uh, there's, there's a, a really awesome team that's uh, kind of developed this. I know I'm, I'm the one sitting at the table, but um, a lot of great minds that came from the fields uh, are here to develop this. I want to recognize some names. Staff Sergeant Kevin Lassen, uh, Tech Sergeant Curtis Klusterman, Master Sergeant Dustin Smith, Master Sergeant Jason Farrell, Staff Sergeant Renee Scherf, Tech Sergeant Andrew Tong. There's obviously more names, but those are the ones that uh, are on my mind, and they did an amazing job. We worked really hard over the past few years. We'll just continue developing for the future. Thank you both so much for your time, and thank you listeners for joining us. Listeners, be on the lookout for technical training transformation coming to your Air Force specialty. And if you are developing training courses or curriculum for any field, please reach out to T3. They're working on some really exciting global stuff that's going to span AETC, and they would love to collaborate with you. And of course, if you have more questions about T3, please connect with us on social media. Air Education and Training Command is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we would love to chat more about T3. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and catch up on the latest news from around the command at aetc.af.mil. And of course, if you have a topic that you'd like us to address in a future episode, please reach out and let us know. From our entire AETC public affairs team, thank you for joining us. Again, I'm Miriam Thurber, and I'll see you next time on the Air Force Starts Here podcast.